everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rookie Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is the amazing Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, in the history of this podcast, we have never been able to cover a Rugby Canada test match win. Well, no more. We don't have to say that anymore. He's oh my, is that victorious true? over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we did not. No. We started recording this podcast after their last test win, when, which was against Chile. It was against Chile. Oh my! I've wow! I've never even. I never thought of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my Let goodness! That soak wow. In. Okay. Wow, man. You know what? Now, now I feel even more fired up for this. Okay. This good. Fun, I'm, I'm glad like, to hear it. I was gonna say, what a what a great weekend. Did you guys enjoy your long weekends? Absolutely. And that victory really set everything. Of the weekend yeah. off on the right path. No, for sure. Well, yeah. I had a Friday night. I went to go see a Shang-Chi. Saturday, got to watch Canada kick the U.S. ass. And then uh, went, did some camping for the rest of the weekend. So, I mean, that was delightful all around. So, I was I was late to the ball game. I was, again, in the wilderness and did not have any cell service or internet. So, unfortunately, with the game not being on TSN was not able to watch it. I actually <laughs> I got a message from one of my buddies and was like, that came back in a cell service going, holy crap, and a one. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Oh, yeah. I'm like messaging these two. I'm like, what's happened? What happened? Oh my God. It's uh, honestly, yeah. it's, it's the most, I feel like the most excited I've been watching a rugby game since like Sam Malcolm hit a drop goal mm. of like any kind, just because it's like, you do feel like that little extra, like emotionally invested in it. The um, when Heaton and Keith and Roland hit, I think it was David Anu and drove him back like five meters. Oh, yeah, followed by McGinty just throwing just whatever that pass was that Brock Webster <laughs> read like a book. And I was just like, oh man, I'm like losing my mind on my in, in my little my little desk space here. And oh man, that was that was just. Yeah, it was delightful. I haven't been this happy to record a podcast in well, apparently ever, according to Dan. Apparently <laughs> ever, I've never been this this happy. Um, you know, in, in a, was a this week? game perfect? No. Do I care? Not at all. Happy podcast coming up. Let's go. Uh, within a week, Canada beat the U.S. to win the gold in women's hockey in the World Championship. Yes. Yeah. Canada beat the U.S. in the first leg of the. Rugby World Cup qualifiers, yeah. and not a win, but a very uh, positive outcome. Canada tied the U.S. in the uh, World Cup qualifiers in soccer. So it's been a great, great week to yeah. be a Canadian. Uh, not so great to be uh, to be a uh, uh, U.S. sports fan. Sorry, I'm sure. I mean, our... I'm sure. I'm sure they won something somewhere in the world. Yeah, they probably won a couple of para, uh, Paralympic medals yeah. to finish off the... Canada's doing well at the Paralympics, too, though. So, let's get into this into this match, guys, because it was an exciting game to watch. Uh, Canada uh, won the first leg 34-21. Uh, they take a 13-point lead into uh, Colorado. Um, Canada scored four converted tries, and um, Peter Nelson kicked two penalty kicks. The U.S. had two converted tries and a penalty try. Um, again, this is our first test win since 2018 against Chile. This is our first test win over the U.S. 
since 2013. So that those were the qualifiers for the 2015 World Cup. We haven't beaten them since. And this was also the first test in St. John's since 2006. Um, Spencer Jones was named man of the match in his first test cap, which is fantastic to think about that kind of since the, the 2020 season, what he has had to go through all of that stuff, all, all of his, his, his knee injury, his ankle injury, all, all the stuff he had to go through. He was in line to get his first test cap in Europe and that never ended up happening. So to see that happen, having a great game was, was fantastic. Um, I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts about the game. Um, we'll go into kind of the positives of, of the match. And Stu, I want to start with you. What were some of the things you kind of saw Canada do really well uh, in this game? So I think one of the big issues for both teams, especially at the start, was kicking. For anyone who's never been to St. John's, uh, windy is apparently the default setting. Um <laughs> And from what I was informed whilst watching the match, it wasn't um, how it usually goes in games is that one team will have the wind at their backs during the first half. And then the second half, that team will have the wind. The wind was going across the pitch. It's just so it, yeah, exactly. So it, it didn't really give either side an advantage. So you couldn't say, oh, you know, the USA will have the wind behind them for the second half. That didn't happen. And um, uh, so I think, it was going to be a team of um, whoever got their kicking under control um, would be uh, in the positive. And that was shown with like Peter Nelson. I think he missed one penalty and that was just because the wind blew it too far to the side to uh, get it through the post. Um, like AG McGinty, obviously he came off the bench, but also uh, Luke Carty as well. I think they had... Um, big blunders when it came to the boots. Um, there was also uh, the new laws that were being trialed in this game, such as the 50-22 um, kicking rule, which is if you kick it from your half into your opponent's 22 and it bounces and then goes out, it becomes the attacking line out. And you could see a few instances during that game where that really came into effect and you know could change the momentum of the game. Yeah, Cardi. Well, Cardi seemed to enjoy that rule. Yeah, yeah Cardi like, was. Yeah, good. he was definitely like targeting those after the first one worked. Um, but the other rule is the um, if the ball's held up, it's no longer scrum five to the attacking team. It's a um, drop. It's a dropout for the defending team, and uh, so it's rewarding defense in that idea. And I think it is this um, plan within. Uh, world rugby as a whole to minimize the use of scrums as much as possible and just to get the game flowing again which you know make your opinion of it what you will it's the rules that are in effect for these games um i think uh canada well canada um used that incredibly well during the first half where it seemed like it was going to be a guaranteed try for the us and then Next thing you know, um, the referees say, nope, the ball's held up. And instead of going for the scrum five, it's suddenly uh, Canada's chance to get the ball, at, to get out of dodge, essentially. Um, so I think that Canada adapted to these new rules incredibly well. So, you know, kudos to them. Um, and then obviously in the first half, there was a lot of indiscipline. We had two yellow cards 
I was when I first saw. Um, uh, let me get it right. Uh, oh, they don't have that listed. Um, when the first, the second player got yellow carded, I was on Connor the fence. Of, yeah, yeah, second player was Connor Keys. Yeah, so Connor Keys, where it's like shoulder to the head. We've seen already earlier this year, especially in the Six Nations, of um, any contact with the shoulder to the head is a red card, and they're taken off. Um, but Mike Adamson. Uh, explained his reasoning very well. I think that was incredibly beneficial, not just to the players, but also to the fans and viewers around um, watching it on Premier Sports of like why um, he made that decision. And then it was also, um, I think it was Matt Heaton in the second half, like tackle, like, Tackled someone in the air. I can't remember the US. It was uh, Dolan. It was late in the first half. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, somewhere around the half uh, halftime. Um, and Adamson explained that because he was being carried, it um, wasn't the same infringement as taking a player out in the air. Again, I'm not entirely sure on the legality of that or anything along those lines. Um, but I did like the clear. Um, the clear messaging given by uh, Mike Anderson, the referee, Adamson, Mike Adamson, the referee. Um, but yeah, there was a lot, those um, moments of indiscipline, the penalty try as well. These are things that, you know, really need to be clamped down on going into like the next game. You know, more focus needs to be given to those things. And I think it's because when, so obviously the penalty try was something that was given away when it came to the um, second yellow card, uh, no points were conceded during that yellow card. So I thought that was great defensive effort in order to be able to do that. But then again, you probably have this like thing in the back of your mind of like, oh, if Canada had full 15 for the entire first half, could they have scored more points? Will this be like a detriment in like the aggregate score? You know, it's it's all of these like what if questions. You know, Marvel will be making another what if about what if Canada had 15 men in the first half and everything turned out great for the world and Thanos would defeat. Anyway, uh, the point I'm making is, is that I, because we've seen Canada get a yellow card during the summer and then they concede three tries within 10 minutes. So we know that there can has been a track record of collapsing mentally in low scenarios um so i think they've come along they've learned their lessons from the summer tour and i think it paid dividends here i mean uh we had three tries in the second half one of which was in the uh two minutes of the second half and so you know we seem to have like defense and the attack getting together and getting sorted um they were able to capitalize on U.S. mistakes because I think the U.S. made a lot of mistakes, especially in the second half. Oh. And, you know, it may have been like, oh, they made the similar amount of mistakes in the first half, but Canada were able to capitalize in the second half. Then again, they can also say that Canada put their foot off the gas. I think the everything from like the 79th minute till the end with Lepetti's try, um, was a you know already focused we're like we've won this game let's uh take it easy don't worry we've got next week to focus on and then 
they go from having a 20 point lead to a 13 point lead. Now, again, will this come back to haunt them on Saturday? Uh, it's hard to tell. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think this was, this is the performance that a lot of um, Canadian fans have been wanting to see from their team that they know that these Canadian players are capable of. And, you know, obviously COVID aside, we haven't been seeing it for the past few years. Like you said, we haven't, Canada haven't beaten the United States since qualifying for the 2015 World Cup. So there's an entire World Cup of qualifications that they didn't beat the United States in. There were a lot of um, test games that they, um, you know, we were saying before how they were like within seven points of um, United States and, you know, years of frustrating losses. And now it just feels cathartic to see a big old W next to Canada when they're playing the USA. Yeah, no, it definitely felt good for sure. Um, made my weekend a lot better. That's, that's for sure. I think, I don't, I think rewatching the game the second time and kind of like, knowing the outcome i think Stu, i think you're kind of touching on something there and i don't know if it's just like there's so many arrows on this team and it's like what those guys had to go through in the 2021 mlr season you know and even like they they had to bubble in in newfoundland during their training as well they had to do everything as a team kind of going back to that and i was just like there's moments in this game you know, we, we can talk about the start. We can talk about, you know, the different, as Stu mentioned, a couple things that need to be improved upon. When Lucas Rumball scores the opening try of the second half, just uh, two minutes into the half, and you can kind of hear the crowd erupt like they didn't do at all, even for Thomas's early try, there was some, there was like a different sound that the crowd kind of had. Um, and it was kind of like the, oh, we're going to, like, we can win this game sort of cheer. Not like the, like, you know what I mean? Because there was some expectations about what the outcome of this game would be. And oh, I'm so happy that that did not happen. But I think, and it dawned on me on the second viewing of this, where I was just like, when was the last time Lucas Rumble or Ben Lesage scored a try and people cheered? <laughs> oh yeah you know and and you could see in the second half in the second half is why i'm just like canada pulls away in the second half obviously they were losing at the end of the first half right and there was there was a whole bunch of things it was like in the first half of the game the usa set piece dominant canada could not touch it um they they were run rolling malls over uh, you know, malls were getting penalty tries. They were using malls to gain a lot of meters. Um, finally, Lucas Rumball figured out how to get through that mall and stopped one. So on the next opportunity that the USA had, Fernanda Schultz just took it out quickly. They had one pass to Hermesize, and, you know, Vicilani and Nelson couldn't make the tackle on him. And they scored. So it was like, okay, cool. You stopped the mall, but now you, you still can't figure out this other line out tactic anyways. And... You know, that, that switch kind of came, you know, as Stu mentioned, you know, Dolan had to leave the game with an HIA after uh, Matt Heaton kind of, you know, Matt Heaton tackled him. It was kind of the, the ref ruled that Dolan was held up in the air for too long. And you have to actually bring him down. 
And, you know, so a bit of bizarreness, which would have been huge if that goes the other way, except that was a yellow card. Heaton's out for the game. And Heaton, as well as Connor Keyes, the two guys that got cards, arguably the two best players in this game, um, not to take away anything away from Spencer Jones' man of the match performance. But it was like in the second half, I thought you saw Rumble, like, you know, score the try. The crowd kind of elevated a little bit there. And then, you know, as the half went on, there was just mistakes kind of started piling up like shortly after. So Rumball scores that try and then the USA brings McGinty on. And we could talk about whether or not in hindsight you should have started him. I mean, he's the best player in North America. Maybe, maybe play him. I'm not sure. I'm not a coach. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, like I think, and then he comes on and, you know, that was a moment of being like, okay, so like the USA, okay, and they're losing. Gary Gold's upset. Here's going to start to come on because we saw the bench, right? We saw like, oh, there's all the, all the European pros that we're all, we spent the last podcast talking about, hey, we're all so worried about these guys, right? McGinty's first play, you know, the arrow, the, the arrows, Canada gives up a penalty and, you know, McGinty comes onto the pitch. I'm like, okay, so like McGinty's going to come here. They're either going to try driving them all or they're going to use McGinty as a playmaker and set something up, right? And McGinty comes on and his first play is to kick the ball into the Atlantic Ocean, right? Nowhere near <laughs> where it's supposed to go. And you could hear the crowd. The crowd kind of jeered him, right? The little, like the little fake, like, ah, nice kick, right? Uh, you know, the thing that, you know, the folks from Newfoundland are so well known for. And it's like, you could kind of see like the momentum and the energy changing. And it just kept kind of building. The crowd got louder, more support came. Ben Lesage scored. You could see how fired up everybody was. Um, that one play, you know, USA, they're hammering down at the goal line, right? And it's like David Anu gets the ball and Matt Heaton, Cole Keith, and Tyler Rowland just tackle them and send them probably back into the Pacific Ocean because I don't know that's how far they seem to carry them backwards, <laughs> right? Dumped them. The USA scrambling. AJ McGinty throws the worst pass I've ever seen him throw. And, you know, Brock Webster picks it off and takes it 90 meters and you could hear the eruption from that. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, and it was like, wow, like how cool is it to like, just see a game with a crowd. It's like, that's cheering for the team that you're cheering for again. Yeah. And it was like, man, how good must have that felt to see that you could see the passion in like the 75th minute when Cole Keith, we're, we're worried. We were so worried about that European front row right then. Um, Cole Keith, Eric Howard and Tyler Rowland made them look like they wouldn't belong in major league rugby um, for that one scrum. Like they just went, yeah, that was, it was beautiful. It was, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And you could see like when the players came out of that scrum, it's, I don't know, man, like the expressions, the screams, you know, the getting around each other. I was like, Oh, that's man. And how fired up the crowd was. And it was like the, like, even after the Webster, Webster, I'm like, there's no way they're losing this game. Like, there's no fathomable way that they can lose this game. Like, yeah. as you can hear the crowd getting into it. Was this game perfect? As Stu kind of mentioned, absolutely not. Do I care? No. Um, But it's like, like you said, it's like, I think with everything, with, like you said, there's the streak that has been broken. 2013, the last time Canada beat the United States. Right. It's been forever since that happened. Right. So it's like you break the streak against your biggest rival. You do it in front of a home crowd for the first time 
For a lot of those guys, it's the first time playing in front of a home crowd since 2019. Um, for any of them, it's the first professional game that they've played on Canadian soil since 2019, mm-hmm. right? And it's like you get to have all that and all comes together so, like, kind of weirdly. It was kind of a wild game. The wind was causing mayhem for everybody. Um, but, like, when you really break it down to the forwards were brilliant, um, once, you know what I mean? There was a game where the, the wind was wreaking havoc. The forwards were brilliant. Um, guys like Rumball figuring out, you know, that, that, that mall was so dominant early on Rumble figured out how to stop it. And then Rumble kept wreaking havoc when they kept trying to do it after, um, you kind of go into, you know, guys like justice Sears Duru, that counter ruck late in the first half was insane. Yeah. Right? That was great. And, you know, that was insane. And plus, he, I mean, he was at almost every rock. Him, Tierney, every single time a, a player went to the ground, it looked like one of them was there. Um, Keys was unreal. Thomas obviously scored a try. Um, Rumball is Lucas Rumball. He just did Lucas Rumball things. Matt Heaton, one of the best games he's probably ever played in his life, despite the card. Um, you know, Siaki Vikilani, too, being like, you know, he was, you know, the amount of carries that he had, the amount of times he crashed through the gain line drew in defenders it was brilliant all around like effort keys and thomas too you know in the second half were big on disrupting the lineup eric howard's throws were accurate in the second half quatrin was good in the first half too and then like you said like the reinforcements come on keith was great uh, in the time he played roland came on and played well the whole pack was amazing and then even like you know because of the wind like Peter Nelson seemed to be the only guy on the pitch that could figure out which way this yeah. was going. Yeah, uh, I want to. Uh, I want to talk about Peter Nelson later. I'm getting too excited. That stands like yeah. there. You need to stop. Oh, there's other people yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, I was. Um, I was really happy with with Peter Nelson's game. And again, uh, we before the the roster yeah. was announced, we kind of went back and forth about. That's the best game um, I think Peter Nelson's played. Yeah, we talked about. Yeah. You know. He's more comfortable at fullback, you know. He, you know, he he was playing in, well, he, he just played in Federale one, right? Like that's that was his, his yeah. last season. Yeah, you know, not playing the top top competition that he's ever played in before. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of questions about why he was picked over someone like maybe Robbie Povey or, or Will Kelly, and I think that again, when I mentioned last week that he had Pro fourteen experience it looked like he had pro 14 experience. He was so yeah. calm. You know, I think there was one passage of play where like, it seemed like they were playing like, um, like table tennis with the ball. It's like Savetta yeah. blocked his kick. And then, yeah, uh, it was just, yeah, it, yeah. I know what play you're talking about. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Play. So like, that was really the only point where like my confidence in him was shaky. Dude, like, honestly, as Stu alluded to the wind, the wind was wind crazy, was wild. but you I know think- what? He he had a couple of big plays um, mm-hmm. in the air, uh, catching yes. the ball and bringing I, it down. He was – it just I, – I felt so – you know, and I think maybe with with playing Cooper Coates at fullback, they, their defensive setup looked like they, they kind of left Nelson in the backfield a little bit more than perhaps they might normally. Well, it's interesting um, too because you have to defend that up. 50 20 kick, which Cardi yeah, decided it, it, he's going to use. So you have to kind and of. And then I think they, they thought bit. wise because he just did a really good job marshalling the troops. Yeah. Um, also was really happy with with Cooper Coates as well. Uh, yeah. 
you know, I the think, one thing we, we said that he needed to work on was his high ball and, yeah, you know, he, he was it. very effective. And also he had a couple of really strong runs. Um, the one thing I, I think needs to be worked on and, and it's a, it's a nitpick. And, you know, when you have a win like this, you need to it's find not, a nitpick. It's not a nitpick. Whatever it is you're about to say, you don't have to. Um, about it. I think that I think the the defense on the outside of the pitch needs to be focused a little bit in practice this week. Um uh, Christian Dyer had a Christian couple of I think uh, the counter to that though is like Kanoa Lloyd burned Cruze to the point where they were like, get this guy off the field in the half first half, right? Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, but I think I think Cruze was actually limping off. No, but both both sides of, of the pitch, you know, I think that you got two guys who are extremely talented offensively and Webster and, yeah. and, and Lloyd. So, you know, this week just the you look back at the tape and go, okay. The U.S. didn't really do that much in terms of moving the ball to their outside backs. Canada was much better at that. Yeah, so that's how they ended. That's how Canada ended up scoring their tries. Too. Exactly, but that that is my forewarning. Is that I don't think that they had they they made it part of their strategy this week. I think they're like we're going to shove it down their throats, and we're going to use our set piece, and you know it didn't. It did not work. Yeah. So I think that they're going to relook at that. And and I I'm I'm not a betting man, but I would put money down on McGinty starting. Oh, I think the the decision to put McGee oh. at fly half and Cardi at Make, fullback man. was a weird decision, uh, considering they spent all season playing. Yeah. I saw one person <laughs> say that perhaps they want to see what Cardi can do I in Cardi other positions fine. because of the oh. fact that. Who do, well, Huli, uh, Will Huli has yeah. been injured and unavailable, and McGinty's your fly half. So you got to, yeah. so, you know, maybe they, they, they rate, you know, Cardi higher than uh, McGee. So that's why they want to see him there. Yeah. It just, it didn't, uh, to me, it didn't work. And they didn't really well, use their backs effectively, yeah. as effectively as they could. You know, you look at that, that second half against England and they use their backs well. So, yeah. um, I think if you, you kind of look at, um, well, I think a couple things then that you kind of touched on, uh, you're talking about like Nelson and Coates under the high ball. I think that was a big, big advantage that Canada had over the United States in this game. Yes. Um, Canada was every time the ball was put in the air, a red Jersey came down with it somehow. Um, you know, Coates did well. Nelson was doing very well. Um, Kainoa Lloyd was doing very well under the high ball. Um, it, it even got to the point like Siaki Vikilani at one point was like, oh, I guess this is going to land right on top of me. I might as well be the guy that <laughs> up and gets it. And he like beat out one of the U.S. backs in, for like a high ball. And it's like, you know, it was just that was working out really well. Matt Heaton, too, like he gained as weird as it is to say, Matt Heaton had a great kicking game. Is that that's, is that my allowed to say? You know, that? it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> the weird. things that we said that we wanted Lucas Rumble to do. Matt yeah. Heaton oh, did yeah, by Matt creating Heaton, offense yeah, exactly. with his boot. Yeah, no, Matt. <laughs> well, well, Matt Heaton didn't score a drop goal, so I'm yeah, just saying. No, ah. He got close, though. He could have. Would you um, rather if him scored a drop goal or what he ended up doing with his boot? Well, a drop goal gets you points. The thing he did. I mean, it ended up I mean, getting a try. Yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining. Create a try, actually. Good point. Good point. I'm happy with both. I'm happy with both. <laughs> um, But I think, like, that was that – was, um, but yeah, like that was part of it, right? It's like Canada did really well, you know, using their boot to kind of gain the territory. And I think, yeah, like I think if you're an, if I'm an American fan, I am totally questioning 
uh, some of the lineup decisions there, especially. Just... Um, like, I think, too, you kind of look at the first play of the game, um, right, where, like, Ross Brody's box kick just sails on him way out in the, you know, ends up in, like, in you know, the, 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 the call by uh, Gareth Reese is so funny. It's just like, oh, oh what a good clear <laughs> Yes, yeah. And it went out too far. Yes, the perfectly weighted kick that went Ooh. 20 feet into touch, yeah. Um, but either way, so that was the first kick of the game. And it was like, that was, I think, the first kick anybody attempted beyond the kickoff in the game. And it was like, oh, like this went forever, right? This went like wild, right? And then I think you kind of look at it and it was like the kicking kind of in the first 10 minutes was kind of like guys being like, okay, we got to figure out this wind because this wind is crazy. And McGinty, I don't think ever got that chance to settle into the game, especially since like his first kick, like was a turnover. Um, and it was like, you know, Brody, I thought Brody did well. He kind of bounced back from that early mistake, even though it resulted in a try, he kind of bounced back. I thought Brody played really well too, as the game kind of progressed um, on a handful of the tries that Canada scored. He had a really good decisions with the ball and changing directions um, on that Thomas try, understanding that there's the advantage and that he should go out wide to Lesage on his try as well. Um, just kind of facilitating the ball too during like phase play and stuff, but, you know, kind of did, you know, because the phase play that Canada put together was outstanding in this game too. Um, there's a couple, yeah. uh, there's a couple instances where I, th- I think it's the rumble. I think it's the rumble try where they they go like touch line to touch line, right? Just working through the phases, yeah. touch line to touch line, and rumble eventually finishes it. Brilliant. Um, you know, it's just just brilliant work. Um, I think, but yeah, like I think you kind of look at that too, and it's like McGinty couldn't get into the game, and then was terrible when he got in. Right. And like, didn't play well. Piffoletti, my goodness. If McGinty was sending kicks into the Atlantic Ocean, Piffoletti couldn't hit the Atlantic Ocean if he was aiming for it um, in those lineouts, man. I don't know. It was like, like, that was that was how all Heaton's kicks were just like, okay, Piffoletti just threw this 10 feet over everybody. And yeah, like, yeah, he, he couldn't hit anything. Um, So, I mean, that's something that they got to work. And that, that, in all honesty, like, like kind of said, I think like Jeb Sinclair um, on the color, like kind of pointed out, it's like, like the USA lineup ended up in shambles after Dolan left the game. And, you know, that, it was interesting because that was in the first half or the first like 35 minutes. That was the thing that the USA, what we expected to happen too, was that the USA would have a better set piece and be dominant. Mm-hmm. In that. And in the second half, they lost it completely. And like yeah. it got to the, like Keys was getting like lineout steals and stuff too. So it was like Canada. I think that's the one thing that Canada did do really well. And whether you, you know, you go to kind of personnel or lack of execution to the United States too. But it was like Canada, like USA came in to me with like a clear like this is how we're going to score points. And Canada early on, like I mean, early on allowed the try, allowed the penalty try. Um, Stu, as you alluded to, they had another play where they held it up over the line and there was the goal line dropout, which is going to be a fun trivia question 20 years from now. Um, there was the other play too, where, um, you know, there was the huge mall that ended up in a knock on. Right. And, you know, so it was like, they had some chances, but Canada slowly as the game progressed, it was like, they were getting a little bit better at defending it to the point in the second half where Canada had the better set piece in the, 
in the second half. Yeah. We talked uh, about the scrum that got blown up and then, you know, keys and Thomas were doing incredibly well at the line out and causing just, yeah. It's really unfortunate that, that there hasn't been any stats released by rugby Canada. Cause I would love to see the comparison of the scrum. I mean, to me, I can think of only a couple of times where Canada's scrum gave up a penalty and then you know, and the scrum was good. I think it was good. Yeah, I think early in the first half, I think Vicalani was kind of doing well to keep the ball kind of in there, and Brody was doing well to get the ball out out quickly because if USA, he waited any longer, it yeah, been USA a was pushing them backwards. But like yeah. I said, it was like the thing that we were the most concerned about is was the USA set piece, and by the time the second half rolled around, Canada had the better set piece. Yeah, you know, even if even if part of that is, you know, even if that is a combination of Canada doing well to defend and just a lack of execution from the Americans, whatever the combination ends up being, like it's yeah. kind of the set piece was better. In the it's going to be really interesting, um, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to roster selections for both Canada and the U.S. Because th- there's an interesting kind of debate about where the loose four position is going. In, in rugby right now. Um, and I, I'm interested to see if, you know, Andrew Guerra gets another chance. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look at their the oh, U S yeah. roster again, because like you look at a guy like it makes the flesh, you can play lock and lose forward. And it yeah. feels like that's where international rugby wants to start veering towards, you know, you think of guys like Togburn who can from Ireland, who can play both Courtney laws can play both. Um, those are guys that are kind of becoming that modern hybrid player that you would love on either. If they're on your bench, that is like an impact sub that can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And it's another lineout threat because as soon as Cam Dolan came out, the majority of the throws were going towards Brickley and Savetta and then uh, Mahoney right. when he came on the bench, uh, came off the bench. That's like, three options, you know, yeah. or two options. Um, for Canada, you had Flesh, Keys, Thomas and I think Rumble went up for a couple of them as well. That's that's three point five if you really want to include Rumble. So I gotta say though, I think there was a moment in the match where Canada had realized how telegraphed the USA had become. That I don't. I think it was um, actually I can't remember. But they um, put a guy up before USA had thrown the ball. And won the line out because they knew where the ball was going. They knew the angle it yeah. was going to be thrown at and took it down. And when, and if you can do that, then you've immediately lost the purpose of having the line out on your side. If your team, the other team's just going to turn it over. It was yeah, you, staggering, yeah. but you know, staggering in a positive way for us. But yeah, uh, no, it was, it was great. I love seeing Connor Keys just come away with the ball in the lineup. Keys was amazing. It's one of the best games I think I've seen Keys play too. Uh, Yeah, I think Um, the only reason why Keys and Heaton um, didn't get man of the match is because of their yellow cards. Yeah. uh, Can we? And I think think part of why Spencer Jones was man of the match was, I mean, how many breakdown steals did he have? Jones Um, was amazing. But like, I think... And also, sorry, Derek, I'll I'll give you a second, but I think one of the big things that I noticed is that, and I kind of talked about it, has how the distribution for the U.S. wasn't kind of as effective i think spencer jones had a big part in that like he was so disruptive his line speed and defense was Was so aggressive him and lesage on d oh man yeah watch that and it's 
there's something to be said about familiarity in your centers and how just effective it can be when they've played together enough next to each other and they can trust each other. So, so, you know, Lesage sees that uh, his partner's going up to maybe kind of a little bit more of a rush defense. He can lean back a little bit or go in to support him. Like that familiarity is so helpful. And, and we're going to talk and, and, you know, with uh, Marcel Brocke going to the Gilbronies, him and Bryce Campbell playing together at club and international level, like that's just going to be a boon for the U.S. Yeah. Um, I think like the one thing too with Jones's game here, his kick chase was outstanding. Yeah. Um, he wow. seemed, yeah, he seemed to be like every time the ball was in the air, it's like a USA player couldn't make a catch without being draped over by a red 12 jersey. Yeah. Um, there was a play like you know er- early in the games too. I think it's um, the first pen- penalty that Nelson slotted. Right, is a great kick chase from Jones wraps up Cardi immediately, and then Lloyd and Rumble are the first two guys to the ruck and turn the ball over. Yeah, right, and that sets up the first penalty. Right, so it's you know there's a lot of just those plays that Spencer Jones made that were just brilliant. And yeah, fully deserve. I think like fully deserving of men in the match. Keys and Heaton are probably the other two guys who maybe give it to. Maybe Nelson. I thought Rumble was really good too. But, um, but yeah, no, definitely not nothing to kind of disagree with. So Dan, you kind of started a little bit of the chat on like what, like what what, what do you think are the changes that are going to be made for the USA? Yeah. So I I I mean again. McGinty is going to be starting. I think to, yeah. to say otherwise, I mean, they yeah. named him captain. Like it, the only reason why he I'm wasn't starting he was because of, start, to be yeah. And, and, you know, they, they talk about complications due to COVID. You know, I wonder if that was, I mean, it could be many things. Well, they said see. like he arrived at camp late or something. Yeah. But I mean, so that, that could be many things. Um, well, so my, I, I my definitely whole think thing was like, if he, like he could have landed in St. John's at noon. I'm like, it's McGinty startled. Yeah. Like, so I, I'm I'm betting money that he's starting. Yeah. I think um, you're going to see new props. I think mm. I one of the things I think about some athletes is it's one of the reasons why some starting pitchers don't make good relievers. Yeah. It's just you have a or the other way around a, too, or the other way around. You have your your kind of your your best talent is that you can you can play consistently for a long period of time compared to short bursts. And I, you know, I wonder if that was kind of a situation with Joe and David um, Fawcett's got to start. Like he played incredibly well. I found in the first half. Yeah. Um, I think he's one of the best, he's one of the best hookers in MLR. And I honestly feel like he could probably get a contract in Europe somewhere. Like he's, he's that strong. Based on Other the way the, the two hookers played in this game, you, I mean, you probably go with Fawcett. I mean, unless yeah. you're going to just, you know, just because he plays in Europe doesn't necessarily mean you have to start him, right? So, yeah, I, I think that's going to be your, and then the big question is what are they going to do with their back, uh, back line? You know, um, if Cruz is still hurt and then, you know, you've got guys like, well, like, yeah, what's up, what's up with Cruze? What's up with Dolan? Um, like, those those are questions. Um, so, you know, then you have the problem of, do you keep Cardi at fullback? Do you put McGee there? I mean, he has been playing I'll there like more. 
Um, you got Ryan Mateus, who, you know, is just kind of being brought back into the fold. You know, he's got 12 caps to his name. Maybe you need to maybe think about putting him on the wing. He's got a little bit more experience. You got Ryan James, Stu's favorite uh, uh, non-Canadian player. I mean, he's been electric for LA. I don't see any reason why he doesn't deserve a spot over Cruze, especially if Cruze is dealing with injury. So in terms of Canada, <laughs> yeah. unless, unless Kyle Bailey is good to go, um, you mm. got to keep the, you got, I think the lineup's got to stay yeah, the same. I was going to say, yeah, that was, that was kind of what I was going to say. I wanted to segue that into Canada and yeah, like even, even for Smith and Povey that didn't actually play, they didn't get into the game. And I mean, Smith, like, I, I totally get Smith not playing in this game. No disrespect to Michael Smith, but like yeah. when Rumble, Vicolani, and Heaton were playing the way they were, like whoa, why? Why would you? Yeah. Um, one actually, but, sorry, one change I would make to Canada. Mm-hmm. And this was a discussion that that some people had online when the roster was originally announced is why wasn't Quinn Nawadi named to the bench? And they didn't need it in this game, but yeah. if they are if they are down. In a game Hard and maybe to score some tries. Yeah. I mean, maybe. you either you, on your bench you need either Povey or you need Parfrey because they both think... cover similar positions. They can cover the centers, the fly half, the fullback. So then I want someone like Nawadi that can slot into the centers, or I can put him on the wing and, and use his body mm. to help score some tries. That that's the only thing part of why you pick guys for your bench is that X factor. And Nawadi proved that he can stick it at test level, in my opinion, when he played yeah. for Canada against Wales. So, so who would you who would you take out then? You taking out? I would take out. I would take out. I'd probably take out Povey. Okay. Um, I I don't I don't hate I don't hate that. I mean, I think to be honest though, I I'm kind of in the like. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, I think you kind of come out of that where Canada was definitely the underdog in this game, and they were the better team for the vast majority of it in all reality. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Like, they even kind of – you even kind of showed that it was like, yeah, like the guys on the bench, you know, can hang with, you know, some of the the best players on the American team, right? And in all – just – the way that that worked out, I would, I would probably run it back barring an injury to somebody that obviously you need to replace that. Um, if that is announced, if Bailey's ready to go, I don't like, maybe you put him back in, but it's like, you probably take out Mason flesh. You don't tweak the starting lineup at all. Yeah. I think that's if, if Bailey's, if Bailey's good, if he's not, I'm not bothered by it. And I would, happily have flesh back in the lineup um yeah yeah i wouldn't change much i wouldn't i would i would run it back unless somebody got hurt um if there's a if there's an injury or whatever that would be it like you know yeah povey povey didn't play smith didn't play so maybe you could do something with that but i mean you know, you never know who's going to get hurt and stuff right it's like there's no the, the biggest thing i think in this game is it's like we're kind of talking about the uh, the USA roster. I think, I think there's certain players on Team USA that gave Gary Gold a reason to take them out next week. Um, there is no one on Rugby Canada that gave Kingsley Jones 
any reason to take them out. No. Even Poe V and Smith, they didn't he didn't give them a reason to take them out. But um, even if they were used sparingly in this game, and by sparingly I mean not at all. But um, but yeah, like there's I wouldn't I wouldn't change much. It's it worked. It's the best. It's probably the best game rugby can has played in a long time. I don't know if it's the best because it's like I don't know. I think I think that's the one thing though is it's like I do think you kind of need that moment of like there's the excitement because it's the first win over the United States in like far too long. I mean, you said it's the first time we've ever actually been allowed to talk, able to talk about a test win on this podcast. So that also tells me how long it's been. Um, So we're on, what is this episode eight? What is this? 88. Yeah. So that's a lot. We've almost done a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. We haven't been in. I mean, part of that is a entire year of no rugby happening, but still, um, But it's like it's been it's been but a we lot. also covered a lot of Canadian rugby mm. pre-World Cup and, and World yeah. Cup. So yeah. But I think that's the whole thing. It's like I think there's the, the immense high right now. And you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like I think there's the immense high. Fans have every right to be happy. We have every right to be like, yeah, woohoo, go Canada, we won. The players had every right to like, you know, go out to uh you know in st john's and celebrate the win and but it's like it does kind of hit back that you know this is an aggregate series and yeah. the job's not done right and yeah now and, gotta, and now we got this this usa this usa team has yeah. shown that they are They're not going away yeah it's yeah fully capable of, ma- of making comebacks and yeah, and in reality 13 points, that's two tries. Yeah, exactly. 13 points. Canada by two tries, which I think to me too, like it was, um, you know, if you do want to talk about it, it's like, you know, you probably do still need to work on some of the set piece because the USA is probably going to try that again, right? They're yeah. probably going to mm-hmm. try to use the set piece to be like their main weapon and like, you know, steamroll over you with that. Um, you're probably going to have, right? You're probably going to have to work on that. You know, there there was certain things like as Stu Stu you mentioned the discipline does does kind of need to improve and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there is like those those little those little things in the game too. Like the end of this game, the end of this game is honestly probably like the only thing that I'm like not super happy about. Just the yeah. Canada had the ball, yeah, right. Connor Keys decided to hold on to it a little too long after he got tackled. Right. Or, you know, depending on how you look at that, there's like, you know, the sport wasn't there fast enough. USA was able to poach the ball with like, you can hear the ref too, given like Brody kind of the countdown. Hey, you got 45 seconds left, 30 seconds left, 15 seconds left. And you turn it over late in the game and that set up a try for the United States. Maybe, maybe it comes back to haunt them. Maybe it doesn't. It really only matters if the USA wins the next game somewhere between by somewhere between 14 and 20 points. That's the only way it's going to really matter. Or when you look back on it, but you do kind of have to, you know, to iron out those, those just kind of like, yeah, you're, cause I think there's that little element of like that killer instinct of like, put away this team that you're definitely going to need on Saturday. Right. When it's like, yeah, you have a chance to move on. I mean, it doesn't clinch a spot in the World Cup, but you have a chance to move on and make your chance better, right? And it's like the execution has to be there. Um, you know, the the ex- the execution does have to be there. You're going to have to be prepared to defend 
you know, you know, you know, they're going to do the mall. Right. And it was like, you know, and it, it was something that, as I said, kind of figured it out. Right. But you know, it's, they're kind of come back with it. Right. So you got to prepare for that. Um, you probably have to, you know, the defense, the Canada's defense, I thought was really good in this game. There was a lot of handful of goal line stands, obviously like the big one at the end that involved Heaton, Roland and Keith with the big hit that created, you know, that ultimately led the Brock Webster's try to, um, I thought, you know, obviously there was the, you know, the, that ball being held up. There was a knock yeah. on, on the goal line. They stopped, they shut down a handful of the USA opportunities. So, um, the defense played well and they're going to probably have to play well again. Right. And, you know, there, there's not a whole lot that I disliked about Canada's game. I liked that they went with a very expansive attack. I liked seeing them work through the phase plays, going touchline to touchline, and ultimately having that in in a try. I liked that they t- took advantage of a lot of the USA's mistakes and made them pay for it. Um, so, Stu, and, I and have to do it all again. Because Stu, I want you to put on your your coach hat now. Okay, mm-hmm. you are no longer Stu Hardy fan. You are Stu Hardy coach of Rugby Canada. Yeah. You are going into Glendale. Mm-hmm. 13 points up aggregate. What do you want? And what are you going to tell the boys? And what are what is your, your goal for them? Um so I want them to continue where they left off in well, continue where they left off in like say the start of the 79th minute <laughs> in uh Newfoundland. Um I want them to take calculated risks, you know, increase that gap as much as possible. Because I know the USA, they want to hit hard. They want to hit fast. They want to get that two-try score over to have that 14-point advantage. We can't let them do that. Need them to get their heads focused. Um, don't focus on October 2nd or who your opponent's going to be then. This is the game you have at the moment. You got to, when I say calculated risks, I don't mean taking players out in the air or not getting low enough so you basically clothesline them. I'm saying focus on what needs to be done, but keep your head, keep your head in the game. The only red we want to see on that uh, field is on the kit and not on the card. So, you know, you got to get your discipline in check. Yeah. You got to be, a, and you play until the 80 minutes. You have to, if you, if you're going to do what you did last week and maintain possession, then you have to be running up to get that support. You have to be twisting your body around to ensure you're not getting a turnover. You have to realize that the game doesn't stop until the ref blows the final whistle. And that final whistle should be when. Canadian player has their hands on the ball, kicking it into touch with the victory firmly um, confirmed, essentially. <laughs> so, no, you know what? I liked it. I liked it. I was, I'm, I'm ready say, to run through a wall now. Yeah, I would say the only thing is score zero zero. Who cares about the aggregate if you're two and zero? Oh? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the way you go. Okay, guys, we got to move on now because there has been some other Canadian rugby news. Um, and the Toronto Arrows have uh, re-signed uh, five Arrows players for 2022. Uh, Giuseppe Dutrois, Cole Keith, Will Kelly, Andrew Quatrin, and Ronan Foley. Um, 
you know, I, I want to get both your guys' thoughts about this quickly. Uh, you know, I think that this is a good a good set to start rebuilding, you know, the team again. Um, the Trois showed at the end of the stretch when everybody deuced out for international duty that he is still a high-quality center in MLR, and he is a leader, which, you know, you, you just need guys like that to help build the culture, and he's been there since the beginning. Um, Cole Keith, put him at loose head, put him at tight head. He's the arrow's best prop. Like, that's just bare bones of it. Um, so wherever he ends up playing, he is irreplaceable for the arrows. Will Kelly's t- to me is an interesting um, is an interesting um, specimen for, for, for piece for the arrows because this is, season is going to be really important when it comes to selectors for the future for Will because he's got to show that he can make those plays in the big moments of a game um, because the clocks, I don't want to say the clocks ticking on him, but he's, he's starting to get out of that. I'm a prospect. I am now a, you know, seasoned vet territory. He's in kind of in that he's nearing the end of his honeymoon stage is what I'm trying to say. So I'm excited yeah. to see what will can do um, again. Taylor Adams is gone. Um, so Will Kelly should be getting plenty of opportunities this year. Um, Andrew Quatrin, the Q was, you know, he's been one of the OG arrows the whole time. He has put his body on the line. He used the arrows as a, you know, diving board for the national team. Played so well in that inaugural season. Got to go to the World Cup. Came back. Was one of the best, you know, hookers in that shortened 2020 season. Uh, this previous season injuries really kind of, I think, played a big role in, you know, how effective he was, but he showed this past weekend that he is a top quality hooker in MLR and also for Canada. So, you know, excited to see him sign on for another year. Uh, and Ronan Foley, I'm, I'm really happy to see what he can offer. Um, we're going to talk about another, um, you know, loose forward for the arrows that might be leaving. And it sounds like there's going to be more change. So it's great to see Ronan get rewarded for his hard work near the end of the season. Yeah, He had the work rate. It's just to see him, let's see him get more consistent MLR time. You know, let's see him build on those uh, strong plays that he made near the end of the season. Um, What do you guys think about these signings? Because again, some of these guys were starters last year. Some of these guys were bench players. Some of them arrived near the end of the year. It's a it's a kind of mixture of of players to start with their their re-signing season. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I'm I'm happy with it. It's uh you know it's a good group of five guys. So you kind of, I mean, you kind of touched on it there. Like they're they're important pieces of the team, right? Quatrin and Keith, obviously two thirds of the front row. Um, Detroit captained the team when, um, you know, Lesage and Rumble weren't available because of international duty. So that, you know, just the fact that they, they gave him the C shows you how important, you know, the coaching staff views, uh, Giuseppe Detroit's contribution to the team. Will Kelly. I mean, I'm, I'm still super excited for what he can do. Dan, you make him sound like he's like 32 years old or something. He's actually only 24. Um, so like, you know, he's, he's still a young player that's able to develop and, you know, fly half is an incredibly important position in, uh, you know, Canadian rugby. That's going to certainly has to 
you know, be looking forward. I mean, we kind of wax poetic about how great uh, Peter Nelson has played, but, you know, we've also had our reservations about his game in the past too. Right. Um, so that'd be interesting. That'd be fun. You know, you got Kelly, um, you know, Kelly and uh, Martin Feek that can, uh, you know, kind of come in and be some uh, Canadian born and bred fly halves uh, within the arrows organization. Um, Ronan Foley, I think, um, you know, I, like I'm excited to see him. Like I'm not, Certainly not surprised to see that he's re-signed. I mean, it would be, uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily come over, play like three games and then bounce after, right? So, you know, clearly the Arrows uh, were using those, you know, those few games at the end of the year when they needed those reinforcement top-ups to, you know, get some looks at guys going into going into the next season. I thought Foley, uh, Foley played really well um, toward the end of the season. He's good at the breakdown, had some nice carries and, you know, excellent, excellent tackler, tackler too. So, you know, it's a, it's a good kind of core piece. I mean, the arrows have always been the best team in major league rugby as far as like player retention goes year after year. Um, so, I mean, it's nice to see some of these guys coming back and I'm sure there's a, uh, you know, plenty more where, where this came from going forward too. Yeah. So, I mean, like three of the guys that I mentioned, I think are pretty much in like the, what we call like the senior squad to like Deceptatoire. Uh, Cole Keith, uh, Andrew Cochran. These are guys that have been around. They've made an impact for themselves. It's like, you know, we're, we're going to see them there. Um, yeah, Roland Foley, um, you know, had only made four appearances at the end of the 2021 season. Um, three of those were starts. But this is a guy who's also featured for like Leinster A squad and even got to, uh, he only had one cap with um, the Leinster uh, senior side. Which, considering Leinster's uh, domination of the Pro 14 now URC, you know, nothing to shy away from having um, such great experience with one of the most dominant teams in European rugby. Um, but like you said, it's like if he's going to stick, if he's only going to be here for like four games, then may as well keep him around for next season. See how he does. Um, Will Kelly, yeah. Um, you know, there's all that question mark of um, who's going to be who's going to be available at fly half next season because it looks like Taylor Adams may not be making his way across the Pacific anytime soon. Um, and yeah, I think what Kelly um, his focus for uh, 2022 should be is that he needs to really be challenging for um, starting jersey. I think it's because um, we've seen so many games where it's um, been. He started quite a bit last year, right? So, he did. He started quite a bit, but at the same time, it was either due to injury or availability, especially with um, Taylor Adams. As soon as, um, what's his name, Sam Malcolm came back, everyone was expecting him to have the starting jersey. Then, of course, uh, Kelly gets selected for Canada as well, so he's not available for a certain number of games, which is, you know, unfortunate, but it is what it is, I suppose. Um but yeah, it, I've got to agree with um, Dan on this. Is like you you can't just be like a potential prospect for so many years. You now yeah, got to be. Again, I, you know, I, I might have over uh, oversold how old he is, but at, <laughs> at the same time, you know, yeah, there's got to be yeah. there's got to yeah, be progression. Yeah, let me one. So he, I'm just looking at stats on the Irish website. He's made 11 appearances, five starts over two seasons, uh, nine of which were in the 2021 season. Because uh, he only joined in 2020, so he only had like five games to really make an impact, which I don't think is entirely fair. Um, but he's so far he's kicked 
16 points, five conversions, two penalties, uh, made 158, carried for 158 meters over 28 carries, completed 26 tackles, and made 28 kicks in play for a total of 861 meters. Um, and yeah, he's obviously got experience with um, the Ontario Blues, the Pacific Pride, McMasters, uh, the Brantford Harlequins as well. Um, and he is already capped by Canada. So he got his debut in the 2019 America's Rugby Championship. Um, and that's the thing is that I obviously know, you can tell like how tough it is going to be to get um, selected for that 20. I mean, we were talking about the match day 23 for when Canada plays in Glendale, we're saying like, oh, no one should be um, changed that. It should be like position, maybe some starters on the bench, some bench and starters, very limited changes. But uh, no one talked about replacing Peter Nelson with Will Kelly or anything along those lines. And so I know it's um, the fly half can be a very difficult position to um, compete for. I and I would personally like to see Will Kelly um, do a few more starts. Obviously, being from Ancaster, I'd like to see him uh, start a few games in in Ontario, in Toronto, maybe uh, for the 2022 season with that home crowd behind him. I'm sure he will produce some excellent performances. Um, but yeah, if, um, what's his name? If Sam Malcolm's coming back, then Will, what you got to do is you got to hit that post five times in the succession. You got to say, be the benchmark and say, all right, you've done it. Now I've done it. Now we'll see who's really the top cheese here. So some other news that has kind of come out um, from America's rugby news is that um, it sounds like there's going to be a change in coaching within the Toronto Arrows organization. Um, it sounds like Chris Silverthorne is going to be uh, – stepping down from his role as head coach, though he might be staying with the organization. Um, and then at least another position on the staff is also said to be changing. Be interesting to see, uh, be interesting to see what happens if the, you know, obviously, you know, if, if there is any changes and uh, when those changes, when those changes might happen, um, definitely, uh, you know, might be a little bit of a different looking arrows staff for like the first time. And, Ever, ever, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is things. So, a couple, a tweak here and there, but yeah. yeah. So I just want to point out that on the Arrows website, Chris Silverthorne is listed as the director of rugby, yeah. and now we know that you know, like titles can be interchangeable and so on and so forth. But it may be a case of um, Chris is becoming solely a director of rugby, like he's overseeing the rugby of the Arrows, like the Arrows Academy, more from an admin perspective than active hands-on. And then it's one of, so as you said, like say, stepping down, but like, yeah, it was, the, the thing is, is like, it could be, yeah. it could be like this. It could be like, I'm going to use hockey, for example, you've got the president, like Brendan Shanahan, who handles like the hockey operations, the, the right. business side of things, partnerships, all that kind of fun stuff. And then you've got the general manager who runs player transactions and uh, you know, your minor, your minor league affiliate. So in, in the arrows case, that would be the um, Academy program. And then you've got your head coach who is dealing with roster decisions and stuff like that. It all depends on, you know, there, there obviously there's someone say, in the, in the leadership of, of the Toronto arrows that's saying, 
I need to take a step back or we need to restructure because it's not stepping down. Right. So you have to assume that anything it said, I mean, according, according to America's rugby news, right. It says is expected to step down. So you'd have Mm -hmm. to assume that if it's stepping down, it's less responsibility. The full line is Chris Silverthorne is expected to step down from his role as head coach, though he may stay with the organization in another role. Right. But if it's, I'm just saying, like, if it's stepping down, that sounds like it's less responsibility. Of the head coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That would sound like it would be less. Yeah. But anyways. Anyway, so anyway, this, this is, is all speculation. speculation uh, rumors. We, would love to, we would love to hear Fun. from you guys. What do you guys think would be the best kind of, uh, you know, situation for the arrows? This this is an interesting kind of discussion because, you know, they have been very lucky to have members of their team that have had experiences from all walks of North American rugby. So it would be interesting to see what happens. Um. So it's a little bit more uh, juicy gossip, you know, MLR is starting to ramp up their juicy gossip as, as the league grows and grows. Um, and this is really sad. And it's a big bummer because uh, Tommy De La Vega is apparently rumored to be going to France. This is also from the same America's Rugby News article. Same rugby uh, America's Rugby News article. will be leaving to go to a French team and the uh, uh, Pro uh, D2, which... He is currently, uh, as Stu pointed out to us before the show started, enjoying a vacation in Europe. You know, so that's an interesting uh, little tidbit. Um, De La Vega, especially this year, uh, but in in the shortened year, has been one of the Arrow's best players, yeah, in my opinion. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so to hear this is a big, big loss for the Arrows. Um, having... There is a chance that the the MLR's best back row might not be together next year, and it's looking more and more like that's going to happen. I don't want to sound ominous about it, but I mean that's just the bare bones of it. You know, we've heard that a lot of the South American tangent of uh, the arrows might be uh, looking to part ways, and this is just kind of the second player from you know Levis previously retiring from rugby, and now De La Vega's moving. A lot of things are happening with the arrows and it's kind of sad, but also exciting to see who might, you know, step up and take that, that spot. Yep. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Stu. Well, I think there's a lot of um, Toronto fans that are uh, fans of De La Vega's work with the arrows. And it's one of these like casualties of COVID that if he is leaving, it's going to be a shame to have never actually seen him play in Toronto for the Arrows. But then again, I'm oh, sure man, there's I a thought of that. Why, but, man, but then again, it's a so, happy podcast too. It was about Canada winning. You're bringing it. Uh, but then again, we can also say the same for Richie Aziata. Almost yeah, everybody yeah. that played. Ben Lesage still hasn't played a game in front of Toronto fans. There's a lot. There's a, yeah. it's like, it's a lot of guys. Yeah. There's, there's only a really a. I mean, unless you played in 2019, like anybody that's yeah. been signed after still hasn't played a game in, in Toronto. Yeah. It's, Hopefully that changes soon. Well, that's the, we're hoping that for 2022, we'll have the Arrows play, the Toronto Arrows playing in Toronto. I know it's a such a strange concept to have, but um, yeah, I think this is obviously the downside of, um, well, one of the many downsides of having to play 
in Atlanta for last season and all away games for the start of 2020 as well, is that players that have been signed for this year and last year who have already made their minds up of not returning, um, we're not going to be able to give them the send-off that we would like them to. However, um, that's a very, I can say that's a, like a selfish approach and obviously these players are focusing on you know, the next steps in their lives, not just their rugby careers. And, you know, it, it's it's a shame to have never seen De La Vega play in Toronto. But if this is the last time that uh, Tommy will, we have seen Tommy in a narrow shirt, then all I can say is uh, thank you for your, thank you for your services and wishing you all the best in uh, France. Last bit of MLR news is, Houston Sabercats have hired a head coach, and he is a human. You just wanted to make that joke, then. I did. That's I didn't the only reason why. Pote Human has been hired as the new head coach. Um, human, I, and I'm sure I'm I'm not pronouncing his name right. Unfortunately, I'm not South African, so uh, if someone can uh, correct me with that, and that would be fantastic. Um, he has spent the last two decades as a professional coach most notably with the Bulls as Super Rugby and the Blue Bulls in the Curry Cup. Um, you know, he has had previous experience working with uh, Heinke uh, Meyer. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. I- I've seen kind of some comments that maybe, you know, he's a little, you know, oversold because of, you know, his playing days and blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, we're grabbing another coach from a domestic competition that has professional experience. And I think so much of what makes a coach in startup leagues so important is their experiences of dealing with pros. Mm -hmm. And we need, we need more of that in MLR as much as, as much as I believe that there needs to be a focus in, um, strong development of North American coaches, Canadian and American. We also need pro former pro coaches to show us the way on how to kind of handle the day-to-day usage of players and also just how to run the show because I mean, why do you think so many Canadian hockey coaches are getting jobs overseas to start programs or to run hockey schools or, you know, to be part of fletching leagues, it's because they've got the experience to, you know, lean off of. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how this, this all turns up. Um, the Houston Sabercats are going to be a very interesting team to watch. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly like, it's not overly shocking signing. I mean, considering like, the South African guy hired a South African. Well, it's not even that, but they won. Uh, they like with the Blue Bulls in 07, they were both on the coaching staff. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's, you know, it, it is one of those things where it's like you can see it across Major League Rugby. You see it across all sports, really. It's like, yeah. if know, it worked so, before, why can't it work now? Well, it, yeah, it's not even that, though. It's just like everybody's everybody's got their guys, right? It's, yeah, you know, it's like if you've had, as you, I guess, yeah, to your exact point there, Stu, like if you've had success with people in the past and, uh, you know, you're trying to start something new, it's like you, your first move is usually bring in the people that you've had success in the past with, right? So, um, you know, so it's good, good for Houston. I guess it's some exciting times. They had a good draft, right? And 
you know, it's, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully kind of a bit of a start of a turnaround for that franchise that has been, you know, pretty miserable for the first four years of MLR. Well, yeah, I mean, with this kind of improvement, they the only way to go is up. I mean, literally, they finished bottom of... Stu's, Stu's never heard of the Buffalo Sabres, apparently. Uh, in MLR, for crying out loud. Hey, um, Sabre? Sabre? Say uh, It's in the uh, name. It's in the uh, name. Okay. Um, something, something interesting is um, that... I wouldn't make fun the... of people from Houston by comparing them to Buffalo. It's fine. <laughs> okay. One thing to mention in the um, America's Rugby News article is obviously saying that... Um, uh, fan out from Bob's Pota Human to be his right man. But the last line in that paragraph is look for more South African influence to follow. So maybe this isn't the only South African coach that'll be joining the Sabercats this year. Or it's just a bunch of players. Or Cheslin Colby is going to cancel his yeah, Toulon contract to come play in, in America. Yeah, Sia Khaleesi. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the Beth. And, why, uh, why take the money when you can come live in yeah, Houston. Yeah. I mean, Houston's pretty Houston's great. Nice. So I'm, I, I, I'm I, not going to trash Houston. Houston. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Houston. I know they have space stuff. Ooh. That's about it. They got a trash baseball team. Cheaters. Don't cheat like like Astros, Sabercats, please. Well, guys, I've gotten into starting talking I don't even about know, baseball. How would you do so. that? Like bang on a trash can for lineup <laughs> calls? Like how would you? Oh, I you don't know mean, what? How would you I'm even gonna... cheat like that? Next week, I will bring up some. Maybe I'll look into some cheating teams that cheated in rugby, and, and we'll. Uh, oh, we'll, I'll oh, you guys. I'll say, yeah, that was the not, not of based the Harlequin sal- thing. Yeah, in-game cheating, not Harlequin. not salary uh, that, based. Uh, the Harle- the Harle- no, that's Saracen. Bloodgate. Bloodgate, Dan. Look it up, man. Read a book. Read Bloodgate. a book. Harlequins. Read it. All right, guys. Well, that'll be enough for tonight. Before I start getting any more suggestions on what to read. Um, if you guys want to listen to more of our podcasts, we have been kind of, gosh, we're almost close to 90 episodes, guys. So there are a ton of content. But if Dan, you want to kind of go back and make it that far, though, Dan. Yeah. So I guess we should <laughs> talk about that. So next week will actually be my last episode on the podcast. Um, as a regular host, as a regular like, host, I might like to have you back for like guest appearances. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I, yeah, life unfortunately gets in the way of, doing fun things and you know my family's expanding and that you know fortunately takes priority but i know that i'm leaving the podcast in good hands so gentlemen let's make next week the best episode we've ever done so that way i can leave on a high canada needs to send you off with a w yeah canada win so that way i don't have to be sad on my last episode because if you guys if it comes down to like they beat us by like a point canada I'm going to be so freaking mad. If they blow us out next week, okay, be whatever. If it's really close, I'm going to be so mad. Canada's going to win. Canada's got to send you off with the uh, the W. Happy episode. We can talk about the game. We can reminisce. It'll be great. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to listen to previous episodes, all, all mo- the majority of our episodes are on YouTube. Go to any of the podcasting platforms. We're on almost all of them. Um, tons of episodes going all the way back to the Arrows inaugural season, the World Cup, uh, pre-COVID. all the way back until apparently the last testament. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, 
And then, and then all throughout this MLR season, we've been covering the arrows and communion content. So please take the time to listen. Let us know what you want these two to be talking about in the future. And next week's a big week, guys. 